This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. Right off the bat today, we wanted to start by talking about a really exciting development in the Laravel community, which is our very first Laravel online-only conference. It's Laracon Online. You can get your tickets for it at laracon.net for 10 bucks, which is kind of crazy. And on to talk with us today about Laracon Online is Mr. Ian Landsman. Ian is helping to organize Laracon Online, and uh, we wanted to get him on to talk about what you can expect if you're going to be attending. And I also wanted to have him on to talk about kind of some of the history of Laravel. Ian worked with Taylor during some of the beginning stages of Laravel's development. So Ian, for anybody who might not be familiar with you, would you mind introducing yourself? And then you can tell us a little bit about the history of Laravel and what part you play in that. Yeah. So it's, um, hi everybody. Uh, thanks guys for having me on. Um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. So I'm uh, I'm from uh, I'm Ian from Userscape, and I founded Userscape 12-ish years ago. We make a product called HelpSpot, which is our main uh, product. It's a help desk application, and kind of a really really tight summary of uh, our relationship with Laravel is about five years ago or so. We were looking at doing some different projects and improving HelpSpot and different things like that. And I was looking at PHP frameworks and there was Symfony and Cake and Coding Nighter and whatever, you know, all of them. And there was none I really uh, loved. And I found this little one called Laravel that was just like, kind of like uh, slim, <laughs> like basic, you know, not, it was, yeah. it wasn't all New fleshed out yet. Right. So I was just re researching that, poking around. And I actually came across a forest post. I don't know if you remember forest. It was yes, like I've seen this. Cody, you know, I, I do coder. remember forest. I remember it back in the day, but I think uh, the post you're going to reference, we, we saw something about it the other, you know, maybe uh, during its fifth year anniversary. I, I won't steal the, steal the story though. Go ahead. I don't know. It, what it was, was just a, a thing from Taylor uh, saying that he was available for hire. Um, so, mm. so I was like, Hey, like there's this framework that's like thinks exactly like I think of a PHP oh, framework no should be. And I was like, the <laughs> guy who created it needs a job. And we were looking to hire somebody. So just message them and yeah, stars worked it out. Yep. And then, cause part of it was that, you know, Laravel would need to like evolve a little bit more, which was kind of, I think in Taylor's mind already, but he was just doing it on the side at that point of his day job. So like the first three months, I guess he worked at userscape. He did pretty much nothing, but, work on Laravel and build out things like queues and he rewrote Eloquent and added more databases and caching, I think. I don't know, a whole, a whole bunch of stuff got added in there. And this is Laravel version three. And yeah, so that was kind of like the beginning of it. We did do the first, the first two Laracon US's. We did like with Taylor in conjunction with Taylor. And so that was Laracon DC and Laracon, New York. And so did Userscape actually do like the planning portion of it and you guys funded it and did all that stuff, put it all together? Yeah. So Taylor worked at Userscape at the time. And so we just, the, as a company did it and we did, you know, kind of help with some of the bankrolling of it initially. I mean, that was all made back in ticket sales and all that, but in terms of just getting it off the ground and then obviously, you know, we just worked with Taylor on it because we were just working together. I mean, we're a small company, so we would just be talking about what do we want to do with this? What do we want to do with that? And uh, and just ran it together. And then about three years after that point, Taylor, you know, Laravel obviously got huge. Uh, so Taylor, Taylor went off on his own, which is awesome. And uh, so at that point, he just took over the conferences, which made sense so that they could kind of fund his work completely on, uh, on Laravel. And... Yeah, so that's kind of the the history, and now we're we're here at Laracon.net. So that's which we'll talk about more. But the kind of the, the little bit of background on that was just that this was also something we talked about that Taylor and I had talked about a long time ago. And then I'd had this kind of itch to do another to get back in the conferency game a little bit, but 
running the the real world conferences is a ton of work. You know, you got the physical location and people are flying and yeah, it's just a, a ton of work. So I didn't want to necessarily want that sure. much work. And then Eric Barnes of Laravel News, who also works at Userscape, he kind of brought this idea back up of uh, maybe doing an online conference. And so between my itching to do a conference and him bringing that up, and then we talked to Taylor and uh, decided to do it. Kind of, kind of last minute decided to do it for this year. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the. Where, where we are right now. Yeah, really excited. I'm really, really excited about that and excited to hear kind of like what the format is going to be. I know I had seen one kind of online conference like this. I've heard about them for a long time. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's, there was like one that Chris Coyer always used to push. They had this, there was this like grouping of these online conferences they'd have around like CSS or JavaScript mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I saw one recently where they had like a JavaScript online conference, whatever, kind of like yep. what you guys are talking about. And I think what they had is they basically just had all the speakers on like a hangout or something like that. And right. then just kind of broadcast it. So I'm interested to hear like what, you know, how is it going to work? You, I know you guys have the schedule already out there for like at eight o'clock Eastern time is when it's going to start. And whatever, whatever. You have a couple breaks in there. Uh, Everybody's going to be invited to hang out on the Slack channel. But I guess I was curious to hear, like, is it going to be one speaker at a time? They're going to have the main stage and then all the, you know, everybody else is just kind of in the Slack room or or how that's kind of going to work. Yeah. So, you know, we're figuring it out. So it's not 100% locked (laughs) in stone, but the the sketch of it currently is definitely will be kind of, tradi- everybody will be live or at least almost everybody. There might be one speaker who's going to be um, in China. So we're going to test his internet and make sure that he's capable of streaming live. If not, we might do like just that one recorded potentially, but otherwise everybody's going to be live. Um, so yeah, so through the software, uh, the webinar software will, you know, move from speaker to speaker. I'll probably, you know, coming in between to like introduce the next the next speaker and all that and take care of some business in between uh, each talk. And yeah, basically just transferring it around. And most of the speakers will be at least in and out of the Slack throughout the day. I'm Taylor, Taylor will be in there all day. I'm sure Jeffrey Way will be in there, you know, all day and those guys. So everybody will kind of be in Slack hanging out where people can can talk as the conference is going on, which is pretty cool. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I've, I've never thrown an online conference, so uh, <laughs> we will see how it works. And we're, we, are, we aren't going to use Hangouts. We're going to use... Probably Zoom, uh, which is like a professional mass broadcasting application, or maybe GoToWebinar, which is another big one. But I don't want to be in the spot where it's like, I just want to make sure we have the, so there's a bunch of startup-y ones too, which I don't really trust. So I'm not doing those. And then there's just like, obviously like YouTube Live or whatever, but that's kind of limited in some ways. So what we're thinking right now is it's worth spending the money to make sure that we have like high quality streaming. Cause obviously if the streaming doesn't work, then the online conference is not going to be very much fun. Yeah. Sure. Um, so making sure we have the streaming that's going to work all around the world um, and all that is really important. So uh, we're probably going to go with a, a well-established paid product kind of thing. And there's going to be a lot of people too. So, you know, we don't want to try like home grow some yeah, yeah. little yeah, system or whatever. Sure. So well, we've got some really uh, great speakers lined up. Yeah. Uh, Michael, would you mind kind of telling us who it is that's going to be there this year? Yeah. Well, obviously we've got Taylor Otwell. We've got Jeffrey Way, Matt Stauffer. There's Adam Wathen as well. We've also got Evan Yu, the creator of UJS. We've also got Jason McCreary, who gave a great talk at Laracon last year on Yagni. And then we've got two newcomers, I think, to the Laracon community in Rachel, Andrew and Nick is is it Kenzaneri? Yep. From Postmark. Yep. Yeah, cool. So it looks like a pretty sweet lineup. I assume that it will be Evan that will be in China for his talk. Yeah, he said he's going to be, he, I think he lives in the US, but he said he was going to be in China, just happened to be there on that day. So we're going to see uh, how his connection is once he's over there. And we're going to, you know, t- test drive it a couple of days before. Yeah. Very cool. Looks like a great lineup for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Rachel Andrew, uh, who I have heard her talk on, I'm trying to remember if Adam Wathen I had her on his podcast or if it was somewhere else. I've heard her talk though about Perch CMS. I've never actually had a chance to use it. Did you guys know her just through like connections or have you been able to use her product before or? Yeah, no, I've known her for, I don't even know, 10 years or a very long time. And her husband as well, they've been really super involved in kind of like web standards and PHP uh, for a really long time. So kind of in Laracon tradition, I feel like, is that we don't do 
the kind of pure where there's nothing but the topic of the conference, the whole conference, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I just feel like you need to break it. Like we could do eight. I mean, we could have found three more Laravel people, right? And we could have done all Laravel yeah. or four more. Uh, but I feel like that's not modern web development, first of all. And it's just kind of boring to hear eight straight hours of only Laravel. So obviously we have all the big Laravel names. Um, so they're going to be able to really cover Laravel well and 5.4 changes and all that kind of stuff. But then it was, I thought it was nice to mix it up with, so Rachel's going to talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on with like CSS grid and Flexbox and just laying out in the modern web. And Nick's going to do email. So like all your transactional email and I mean, who's not building a web app that's not sending a zillion emails nowadays. So yeah, sure. You know, how you, how can you can avoid screwing that up and making sure they're delivered and he's going to get into kind of the tech of that. So it's not, it's not going to be light. It's going to be kind of heavy. Yeah. And so, and everyone obviously, you know, view is everywhere in in the Laravel space now. Uh, So I think that'll be like a really nice mix of topics and kind of something for everybody and uh, something for people at different levels of ability too. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about the, uh, the the kind of speaker mix there. Yeah, for sure. I, the thing I think that shocked me the most about, about this was the fact that it was $10. Like, so I saw it on Twitter, like, Hey, Laracon.net, we're going to do this online Laracon, you know, Laravel conference. It's like, Oh, that's awesome. I wonder how much it's going to be. I'm expecting like $50, $60, you know, something very reasonable, but still like, you know, a little bit more pricey. Ten dollars, right? <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Can you can you help me? Like, and and not only that, but you got somebody to sponsor. I'm assuming free .co domains for the first twenty thousand right. attendees. <laughs> so you're literally paying for a .co a domain and then getting a free conference ticket. It's almost right. really what's happening. <laughs> right. I mean, right. It's, exactly. it's kind of insane. So maybe you could talk a little bit around like the pricing and, and you know, yeah, it's mean, very generous. I appreciate yeah. that. There's going to be tons of people coming, hopefully. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a few aspects to it. So one of the things we definitely wanted to do was um, from a financial aspect, you know, 29 to $59 would be much more, would be a better price point, right? Um, just straight finances. But uh, one of our goals, you know, really the core goal of the conference was to try to reach people who would never come to a Laracon. Um, not that we don't want everybody who could go to a Laracon, uh, but, you know, there's people from all over the world using Laravel. A lot of them are not going to be able to travel to, you know, New York City and stay in a hotel for five days and airline tickets and all that stuff. And then you also have the other factor of these Laracon US, Laracon EU, they sell out like months in advance. So even people who want to go can't go because the tickets just are gone. So um, so we really wanted to make it exactly like a no brainer, like not, and there are still people who are like $10 is too much, but you know, we have to have like something because right? we're, yeah. one of the things we yeah. are, we are doing also is, you know, a lot of online conferences are just like people getting together and they're not what I would say is like really a conference. Like, so we're paying all the speakers, for instance, and we're not paying them. I mean, they're not getting rich off this, but they're not, it's not like a hundred bucks either. So yeah, you yeah. Know, the speakers are getting paid. They're building talks. They're doing a lot of work. Um, so we're compensating them for that. And like, so there's, you know, there's a streaming service that we're going to pay for a real one instead of just like cobbling it together we paid a designer for the website. So there's a lot of expenses in all this. Um, and even though it's not as much as a physical conference, they're, they're still significant. So it's trying to find that balance to make it as affordable as we possibly could for everybody, except for maybe, you know, the most kind of extreme cases. Uh, and, and so $10 felt like a good, a good spot for that. And, uh, yeah. And one of the things we're counting on is sponsors too. So if anybody wants to get in front of many thousands of PHP and Laravel developers, uh, definitely reach out because uh, links on the links on the website. Um, because definitely one of the things we are counting on is sponsors to kind of make up the bulk of the revenue of the conference so that we can cover all those costs. And so we'll see. So, so far there's been, we have a couple sponsors on board, as you mentioned, and then um, we're talking to a bunch of others now. So I, I feel like that's going to work out well, but that is sort of, the premise of this uh, is that, okay, if yeah. we do it really cheap and get a lot of developers, that will be an interesting group um, for sponsors to, to sponsor the conference. And uh, they will then form kind of the backbone of the financial model of being able to do it. So that's, that's the experiment. Um, we are still not 
covering all our costs, but we are we are working our way towards there. I'm pretty confident we will be able to cover them. Yeah, cool. So has this been done before? Has it been, we've had online conferences before, but has it been done before? Has it sort of been done at this scale? Yeah, I don't know. Somebody else asked me that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody in the sort of PHP framework world has ever done anything like this. Sure. I don't know about... So like these big webinar services definitely are built for 10,000 people. So in that regard, there are, there's people doing stuff like this, but I do think it's a lot of like, like all the examples that, for example, Zoom gave me were things like Uber does big online meetings with all their drivers yeah, and, you know, things like that, where it's a company running a big webinar. So I don't know, I, I would be, it's something I have to research a little bit more to see in terms of like a paid online conference, what the largest of those has been. I'm guessing there's something bigger, but I have, I don't know one that's probably bigger. Sure. I definitely don't know of anything in sort of the online um, co- tech conference space that's that's probably going to be bigger than this. But uh, I, I, I'm curious to maybe poke around a little bit more and, and find out yeah, about that. Cool. But yeah, we were surprised. I mean, just that we sold some, I mean, we sold a thousand tickets in the first 24 hours. So yeah. that was awesome to see everybody kind of get, get out and support it like that. Uh, and then like the speaker lineup and all those things, because you know, we committed to all these expenses and, you know, with 30 people buy a ticket, <laughs> like then yeah, you're not going to get right. sponsors and that's, you know, $300. So that's not going to pay for anything. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it was great that people liked it as much as we thought they would. So that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Do you have like a target number in mind, Ian, that you're thinking like, you know, we'd like to see this many people show up. I mean, obviously the, for the first 20,000 attendees, you have free.co domains. Do you think it'll get up that high? No. Yeah. So that was, um, that's just, yeah, a sponsor who's able to do that, which is part of our kind of digital swag initiative. So that's one of the things that yeah, yeah. I also don't think I've seen before, but I've, I'm not like a connoisseur of this, but we really wanted to have something to give people like a real quote unquote conference. And so we're trying to put together some different things. They're digital swag. Some of them will be offers like that. There's a few other things we're working on that are more like items, which are digital for lack of a better term. But uh, anyway, so we're working on some cool stuff there and all those things. I mean, those things could far exceed the the price of the ticket in terms of their value. Um, that's definitely yeah. our goal is to get it up to be like, wow, I got a hundred dollars and stuff for this $10 ticket. Like that's, that's definitely our goal. So, but yeah, the dot, CO domain was kind of cool, uh, just as they, as part of their sponsorship, they said, Hey, I mean, they need like some limit. So they said, okay, like up to 20,000. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're gonna get to 20,000 this year. Um, in, at least in part, just because the conference is only in a month and normally you would do this yeah. like with three or four months of lead time at least. And we're kind of just decided to do this. And this time of year works out best. Cause we don't really want to get into when Laracon us and EU are running and all that. Plus in general, we kind of like this time of year for future years, uh, so that it'll be after the, like the midterm Laravel release, we'll kind of do Laracon online in like mid late February it can always be there to kind of catch you up on what changes in those midterm releases that come out in January. So yep. kind of feel like that's a good time for it. And then Laracon US and EU will be where Taylor unveils his, you know, super new hotness for, for the year in, yeah. the, in the main release. Um, <laughs> flagship release. Right. Whatever yeah. big crazy thing he's working on. He always seems to have something amazing up his sleeve. So, yeah. uh, so that can kind of shine there in the middle of the year. But yeah, so the, so I don't think we're going to get to 20,000, but we are at 1700 right now. I think, you know, even, it's going to flatten out. Obviously there's like, we got like all the people who are super on Twitter all the time and know everything about what's going on, right? Like they all bought like the first day. And then, so now it's like reaching some of those other people who aren't necessarily as connected as all of us uh, might mm-hmm. be and, um, and people getting approvals and all that kind of stuff. So sure, I, sure. it's hard to have a specific number. I'd say like right now, I think we're definitely going to get to like, 2,500 at least, um, 3,000, probably really, probably really more like 3,000. But, you know, if it goes above that, that'd be awesome. I mean, I, I kind of would like it to get to like 4,000 because I just think that would be a cool, that'd just be a cool number of people to, to have involved in it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, as it is right now, like we can run it. Uh, so that's my main thing is like, it's enough people that we can, we can run it. And that, that was my main concern. So got to that point. I think people are really excited about it. There's a lot of people doing viewing parties, which I hadn't even considered that. That's a, yeah. a really awesome thing. That's just 
you know, coming out of the community. Like a local meetup. Yeah. Like a yeah. local meetup. Like you all buy tickets and show up and you watch it together. That's a great yeah, idea. That's what they're doing. That's oh, like dude, wild. I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm doing that. Yeah. So that's what we started retweeting people who are doing that if, for people who are looking to do it in their area or whatever. So I think that's another thing I already, I'm, I'm already keeping notes for next year and that's on my list is how can we support those people or, or just how, you know, maybe we do like a party pack where you can just like a volume, it. yeah, volume discount or something. Yeah. Right, like whatever for 50 like bucks, that, yeah. your, your office can watch or something. I don't know. Like, but just something yeah. that facilitates that. So we didn't have a lot of time to kind of think through all those angles of it. So this first year we're going to take a lot of notes and then next year we can do um, some more cool stuff with a little more time to plan it all out. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's cool. obviously no way of policing that with people. Are, like, when I say yeah. policing, I mean, you don't know sure. that if, if someone's having a viewing party that they've got one person that's paid $10 right. or they've, everyone's paid and they've gone there. So it'd be yep. nice to at least put that front of mind, I think next year. Well, next time, yep. you know, now that you've had the chance to consider it. Yep, exactly. And, you know, one of the things about this is it's like, uh, that's another thing with the low price. It's like, hey, if you can afford it, like buy a ticket, it's not burdensome. It's a low threshold there. Um, yeah. yeah, just chip in to help make it happen. It's, uh, you know, there's obviously going to be people who watch who haven't paid. I don't worry myself with that stuff at all, really. Um, it's the same as like our, our software is downloadable software, uh, HelpSpot. And it's also, you can, you know, we host it for you as well, but a lot of people download it. There's a lot of people, you know, there's people who steal it. Um, and there's like key generators and all that stuff. And you can't, you can't like think if you get like, if you go down that path, right, then you can't, you'll be like terrified and you won't be able to do anything. You'll spend all your time like yeah. trying to fight them or same thing with the, with the conference. Like if we put a ton of effort into, you know, making sure every single person who sees as a ticket and having weird rules yeah. and all kinds of crazy hoops to jump through, um, then you know, that's just not, you're not going to have a successful event. So, you know, we do like the bare minimum, like, you know, you're going to, we're not only going to send a link to the people who registered, who know, you know, obviously some of these are going to get out whatever, but, but, you know, we think that most people want to do the right thing and we're making it easy for them to do the right thing. And that's usually the best bet. So. Yeah. As an Australian, making it easy for people to do the right thing is, is massive because down right. here, you know, cable TV is so expensive. And mm. we're very limited in what we can get, you know, streaming wise, things like Hulu and Netflix, Hulu, we still don't have here technically. And Netflix really? took a long, wow. long time. Right. So, you know, making it easy for people to making it cheap and easy for people to do it right. is, is massive for people that are, I guess, outside of the United States for a lot of these kind of things. So really appreciate yep. that. Yeah. Exactly. And we're not going to block Australia. We're going to let you watch. Excellent. <laughs> Although I'll have to watch the recordings because yeah. I'm not getting up at 2 a.m. to oh, watch. Oh, <laughs> come on. Yes, he will. He'll be there. He will. He'll be there. Michael will be online at 2 in the morning. I have no doubt. I mean, it's a long, um, it's a long event, so you, maybe you'll get to get the I'll front or the back of it, yeah. of it. I don't know, whichever, whichever works that was easier. Yeah, I should. Like, it's about, what, 2 now, 3 now, so I should catch the second half of the day at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 2.30 uh, right now, 3.30, yeah. yeah. It's 2.30, uh, 3.30 Eastern, and you said it's like, so it's like 7.30 there or something? Uh, yeah, it's just gone 7 now. 7 a.m. there, morning. so, you know, get up early, catch the back back two, three hours, and then rest of yeah. the day you watch the, what happened before. Well, probably the next day, whenever we, we're going to turn the videos around as fast as we can, but yeah, uh, might not be, might not be seen there. So all of the talks, they're going to be freshly crafted for this event. There's like, we're not going to have talks that people have seen maybe at other conferences. They're not going to be maybe the same talks that happen here. They're not going to happen at Laracon as well. Yeah. Everybody is, um, everybody I know there's one or two people who still were working on what their talk is, but, um, but yeah, everybody has got a fresh talk. And as far as I know, they're not reusing them for Laracon US, uh, or other places they're going to be. So I don't, I don't know. I can't verify that hundred percent, but I would think that that would be the case. I mean, I can't see T Taylor's not going to use the same talk. Yeah. You know, Jeffrey's not going to use the same talk. So, uh, yeah, so it should, should be all new stuff for both. So if you're going to both, uh, you're not going to have anything ruined for you. It's going to be going to be all new everywhere. So I think that'll be, that'll Which be great. I will say is rather impressive. Like I'm always like racking my brain, like what could I possibly give a talk proposal about? And these people right. are like, yeah, you need another one? Sure. I got gotcha. right. you. No problem. <laughs> I got one for Laracon online, one for Laracon US. No big deal. Yeah. Oh, and maybe yeah. one for Laracon EU. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't, I don't know where these people come up with this stuff. I'm I don't know. Like, oh, what can I, I talk about? I can't, yeah. I can't do it. That's for sure. <laughs> but I think nah. also helps like when you get the people who are so, um, you know, they're so deep in it, right. That like they could talk about all different 
aspects of Laravel or web development. I mean, Jeffrey, right? Like, I mean, the guy's making these videos and every time, I mean, they're just amazing. And he finds these different angles and, and all that. So any one of those could be a talk. And so he just, he just works away at it. He's doing though, he's doing Laravel mix, which is his baby. Um, yeah, he's yeah. going to go through Laravel mix for everybody, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, Adam's, Adam's going to do, uh, some stuff on testing, which is kind of in his wheelhouse, obviously. Uh, so it's, it's going to be good stuff, but yeah, all new, all new talks. I like that. Everyone's Very got cool. like their titles on the, on the speaker list. You've got, you know, Taylor is the creator of Laravel and you've got Evan, you the creator of UJS and then you've just got Adam who is developer and Canadian. And I think at this, <laughs> at this, at this point in uh, global history, saying that you are Canadian is very important. <laughs> That's right. I love Canadians. That's why. And so yeah. it's like, you know what? He's, he's Canadian. Why not? I'm going to put it on there. It's yeah. awesome. It's funny. Not like writer of refactoring to collections. Ah. Not like, you know, uh, creator of test driven Laravel. No. Developer and Canadian. That stuff's and boring. Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, sorry, Adam, if you're listening. It's, it's not that boring, but <laughs> I gotcha. Well, that was, that was my, I should say, I should say that was my call, not his call. So I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know how oh, he gotcha. feels about it. I should check how he feels about it, but that was, that was my call. I was building, I was building this site and I was like, I'm just going to go with Canadian and we'll see how yeah. it goes. The site looks really great by the way. And, uh, I think one of the speakers for Laracon us is one of the people is the person who did it, right? Yeah. The, uh, What's yeah. her name? Uh, I don't. Laura. Don't know Laura. Is. Laura Elizabeth. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's really talented designer, and it's kind of funny because it's like a weird worlds colliding thing. Uh, I found out about her from some kind of freelance people I know, and we contracted with her. Actually, she's working on new helpspot.com for our site, and then this came up, and I was like. Hey, could you, you know, would you mind, um, just like inserting this project in for us kind of last minute on not too much of a budget. And she was very accommodating, which was awesome. And then, yeah, then we saw on Laracon us, uh, slightly before I asked her to do this design, but I saw, I was like, holy cow, like she's going to be at Laracon us. And I had no idea that that was happening. That's so, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Small world. Yep. Small world. For sure. Well, Michael, I'm out of questions. You got anything else for us? Uh, I have uh, just a couple of quick ones, I think. Sure. Are okay. there any surprises that you're leaving to reveal closer to the date? You mean, you can tease us or you can say nothing and then surprise us later. <sighs> so I don't know. I'm going to say n there's not going to be any huge. Well, I won't say there's no huge surprises. I'm not planning on anything too crazy only because the first one, I feel like I really want to run it and play it straight a little bit. I, we had thought about surprising some of the speakers and rolling them out as a little bit more of a surprise as we went. Mm -hmm. But then we decided that's nah, just like everybody agreed. Everybody's on board. Yeah. Just like put them all up there to start. So there are a whole bunch of ideas that we have um, for things we could do. So I think maybe not for this year, just because the time is so tight. Yeah. But you never know. There could be some stuff that comes up and we do have this digital swag situation, which is kind of opening up possibilities for things. So there could be some things that sneak their way in there um, that are a bit of, surpri of a surprise, but, uh, but we'll see. Cool. And so... I did have someone uh, reach out to me on Twitter. They wanted to know, does this mean that, I, and I don't know if you can answer this, but does this mean that there won't be a, a stream for Laracon US this year? Is this is the online event basically going to take over from that or is it just going to run both? Yeah, it's definitely totally separate. It's not intended to replace that at all. I don't know. So Taylor still just runs Laracon US on his own. So I, I have no idea what he's actually planning. Um, and if he is in fact planning to stream it, uh, I don't know. But he either will or won't based on if, you know, the finances are there to do it and if he can get people to do it, all that, whatever yeah. um, things he needs to make that happen. But it's not going to be because Laracon online was streamed and now he's not going to do it. So, uh, yeah, as far as I know, nothing's changed with that. And I assume that there will be some kind of recording slash streaming. But um, this is definitely not intended to replace that. Awesome. I'm remembering I did have I did have one other question. Yeah, I got all uh, day. The other thing we had talked about uh, was getting your thoughts on Rogue One. You're a big Star Wars yes. guy. Uh, for anybody who listens to your podcast, we've heard you kind of rant and rave and talk right. about uh, <laughs> the some of the other Star Wars stuff. So what, did, what were your thoughts on Rogue One? Did you like it? Did you not? So, yeah, surprisingly, I don't think I've talked on about rogue one on a podcast yet so this will be this will be the first spot here uh, which is great Ooh. and i uh, i liked it a lot um i think it's a little bit more like my son didn't like it he, he wasn't really that into it my oldest son 
but I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I liked that. It was a little bit different take. I like that. They, uh, I don't want to get too spoilerish, but the end is not traditional star Wars. He really, Oh, I wasn't even that mad about the like digital Tarkin and stuff. Like, I mean, he was a little bit distracting there, but yeah. he didn't even really, I feel like you kind of need Tarkin. So I kind of understand where they were, what they had to do with that. Um, otherwise it would be weird to have, not have him kind of, because he's like the guy who's in charge of the thing. So yeah, I really liked it. And I think it was a great kickoff for kind of these in-between years. I'm really excited now for the next ones of these in-between years and what they're going to do with those. Cause I think it'll be nice to explore kind of more parts of the star Wars universe. since it's always been pretty linear um, in that yeah. way. what do you guys yeah. think? Uh, I actually have not seen it yet, oh! but I, uh, I know, I know. I'm sorry. So thanks for not going into any spoilers. That's appreciated. Um, I actually heard from different people though. Some people say like, man, it was just like action the whole time. I couldn't stand it. Like if it was just battles. And then I heard from another person be like, the entire thing was character development. There was no action at all. Like I heard like, it was like complete opposite. I'm like, how can that possibly it's be just true? Like so Star Wars fans are protecting you, Jake, so that you don't really know what happens thank until you, you see throwing it. Thank you. Throwing me off the set. Yeah. Throwing me off the trail. I get it. I think it could have, all right, so I'm in the camp of, um, I think why, why that happens is because it's not all action, but there's not enough character development for me. So I think that was probably his weakest part is I could have used a little more. I, I wouldn't have minded if it was 30 minutes longer. I think if it was like a two hour, 40 minute movie, which they don't want to do, I know, but to me, I think that would have been perfect because there was maybe like not quite enough character development so that at the end, a few of the things that are supposed to pay off, maybe they don't land quite as well as they could have if you had another couple scenes between certain people. But so I think that's where I can see people feeling different ways about it because there's definitely downtime where they're not like yeah. battling, but then there's, there's definitely, there's a lot of characters. And so I think they didn't all get enough kind of time. Um, in some ways, but now if we're talking movies, one more, one more movie item last, <laughs> uh -oh, here la we go. last <laughs> night, you guys, do you guys like, uh, know. Jason Bourne, like the Jason Bourne movies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've only seen really the seen the first one. Uh oh, I've, I, I have, I have the trilogy on Blu-ray. You know what I mean? I saw the one that was like after that, like right. the one that had legacy, the, the other guy. Yeah. 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 Legacy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it's, it was all right. Yeah. I haven't seen the newest one though. Okay. It's so that's what I watched last night. I didn't see it in the movie theater. So right there I was a little, cause I heard it wasn't that great. So I, didn't, I and I was super busy, whatever. It didn't last that long in the movie theater. So I, I missed it in the movie theater, sat down last night to watch it. It's a horrible abomination of a movie. Horrible, terrible movie. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> terrible. Sad. And I love no, the, glad you told the first me. three. I love the first, especially the first one. Uh, the first two I love. The third one, the more I watch it, I still, I like it a lot. Legacy, I didn't love, but I thought it was okay. But this makes Legacy look like an Academy Award nominated oh, spectacular. Oh, no. Like Jason Bourne is a terrible movie. It's like just a movie they did for the money or something. It's got that, like, we just threw it together to make a quick buck on the Jason Bourne name, like, vibe to it. Uh, <laughs> the acting is horrible. Everything about it's horrible. Okay. Well, thanks for saving me a couple hours there of my life. I appreciate it. I'm not going to watch it now because I was planning on watching it. My wife and I are both, you know, for, you know, Jason Bourne fans. And yeah. so we were like, yeah, we should watch that together. So we won't. No, you should watch, watch it. it. You should enjoy the, the horribleness of it. I don't know. I am a completionist. Uh. See, I feel like I have to watch it just to complete the series, even though it's bad. But so I like to complete these things, even when they're bad, like the Matrix, right? Like those weren't that great after yep. the first one. Yeah, yeah, right. But like you still have to watch it. <laughs> totally like, there were more Matrix movies? Yeah. After, there's two after the first one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they didn't even send them down to you. They were like, forget it. We're not even going to send those to yeah. Australia. We're not even putting them on Netflix. No, not happening. No. We just we just do, do not acknowledge them. So <laughs> Exactly. You even though Australians filmed, are always yeah. smarter. What's that? Yeah, right. I'm even though they were filmed down in Australia. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think they were filmed down there. But now the, uh, the first matrix is one of my all time favorite movies. That thing's like, yeah, that's, that's in the pantheon, but for sure. Yeah. But the other ones for are sure. not that great. Well, thanks so much for taking some time out to come on and talk with us today, uh, about Laracon online conference. For any of you who have not purchased tickets, you can uh, get those at Laracon.net. It's 10 bucks free.co domain. You should definitely check that out. Yep. Thanks a lot for having me on guys. Great job. Uh, Filling the big shoes here on Laravel News Podcast. <laughs> Thanks very much. Tell Eric we said hi. Will do. Thanks all. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> See you later. 
Uh, well, Michael, so we have a couple other things to talk about here. We want to talk about a couple UI changes to Forge, to GitHub. We've got some uh, PHP things to talk about and then a couple Laravel things to talk about. So why don't I go ahead and start with the Forge stuff. So this last week, there was a new Forge UI that was released. So if you are a user of Forge, you might notice that when you log in to go manage your servers, it looks quite a bit different. And really, Forge has been out since Laracon New York City, the very first Laracon New York City. Um, not this one, obviously. So the UI really has been updated since then. So it was, um, it, you know, kind of looked bootstrap-ish. Uh, which was fine. It worked perfectly well, but it looks really good now. So it's uh, it's responsive as well, which is uh, which is cool. So I, I've heard some people saying you know, they can manage it from their phones, which is cool. I mean, why not? Right. Sure. Go for it. Mm. So we've got that, which has uh, been really cool. I use Forge all the time. So it was a little bit difficult for me to find some of the stuff that I was used to looking for in other places. Uh, but overall, it's it's a it's a good improvement. I like that they have the recent events down at the bottom, which maybe it didn't. Maybe it had that before. Uh, I just never noticed it. But it's basically a running event log of all the things that have happened on the servers that you're managing through Forge. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Kind of in that same vein. I don't know if you noticed this. I, you're probably just waking up in Australia there, yeah. but the GitHub, on GitHub, if you go to github.com, the top bar across the top is black. Did you notice that? Yeah, no. Yeah, weird, right? I mean, I, I, I rolled out of bed and straight into the podcast. Yeah, so. I'm not sure exactly why. I mean, <laughs> no, like, GitHub yet. is there anything in the source code mm. that they're like, hey, this is because it's, I don't know. It's kind of kind of interesting though. So that's it's black now. I'm could not complaining. Be, it looks could cool. be like history month thing, but yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Black Lives Matter. Who knows? I would expect to see some sort of hashtag, but if it was for something like that, you know, there's nothing on the GitHub blog. So yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Well, anyway, so there's a nice little change, uh, something to check out. And then the one other thing I wanted to talk about with GitHub is actually that there are now GitHub topics. They're called. So if you go to a repository that you own right underneath of the description of your repository, there's a little button that says manage topics. So if you click that, you can actually add topics to categorize your repository and make it more discoverable, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I know Taylor had tweeted out this last week that if you have anything that's a Laravel package or related to Laravel, just go into that and add Laravel as a topic there. So that's kind of cool. I did that with all of mine, yep. Laravel, middleware, HTTP2 on my Laravel, HTTP2 server push package. So I haven't actually used it to discover anything, though. Have you tried that? No. I mean, I've clicked through it briefly and there was probably about, yeah, there's there's many, many more people have used it since I last looked at it. Yeah, it looks like if you click it, like if I click Laravel, for, for instance, it shows me all of the things that are tagged with Laravel ordered by stars. It looks like how many stars they've got. Yeah. So. Kind of cool. Another way to do it, I suppose. I don't know. Like previously, all I would do, I suppose, if I was looking for something is I would just search in GitHub, say like Laravel, and it would just come up with a, a listing of all the stuff. So I'm not sure if this makes it a ton more useful or if it's just a thing to help supplement that. Yeah, I think it's a step in in a nice direction. It'd be nice if you could find things based on dependencies in Composer rather than just like tags that you because then, you, you know, you've got to put the tag in Composer, you've got to put uh, and again, you've got to make it work across all the different languages. Obviously, GitHub is bigger than just PHP. So, yeah, the fear that I kind of have is this that it, it opens the door to kind of be like abused, right? Like with Twitter, you have hashtag Laravel, hashtag PHP, hashtag Forge, hashtag yeah. you know, these people who are just kind of like pushing all that stuff out there so that they get, uh, you yeah. know, discovered for just this particular hashtag. Uh, that's my only fear, I guess with these GitHub topics is that you have somebody who really wants their middleware package to be discovered. So they hashtag it to death with everything they can possibly think yep. of. And then it becomes not useful, right? So if you made it so that you have a limit of three or a limit of two, maybe you'd prevent some of that. I don't know. I don't know what the upper limit is on this, like how many you can have. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Forge, the guy that I work with, actually, he's my boss, Jordan Brill. Uh, he posted a thing on Medium, his first Medium post about how he set up a VM inside our corporate network and is managing it with Forge. So that's kind of cool. It's, you know, previous to this, we had had to use IIS, which is a Microsoft product that is a web host. We had to use that for everything. And it was really a pain. You can't use Envoyer on IIS, obviously. So we really wanted to have a solution where we just had an internal web server that only we can access inside our network, but you can still manage it from Forge and still use Envoy to deploy to it. So it's a quick little read, maybe a five, 10 minute read. And for anybody who is interested in doing that, it's a great place to start. 
and works really well. So shout out for that. Yeah, it's a good way, especially, I mean, I work in a data center, so all of our equipment is self-hosted. So it might be worth looking at that as well for our situation. Yeah, it's great because, you know, somebody like me, I don't have a ton of time to spend learning DevOps and, and learning how to set up my own box and do all that stuff and make sure that it's up to date and make sure I can do all the stuff that Forge does for you. So this is a perfect scenario for us. Just Forge does all the stuff. If I want to add a new site, literally go in, click add site, and it's on my box within seconds. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the next next thing we wanted to talk about is uh, PHP itself. Um, so as of the 20th of January this year, PHP 5.6 is no longer actively supported. So it is still receiving security support. So it'll still get security fixes up until 2019, but there will be no new features going into it. So you should upgrade your version of PHP. At least be mindful, be prepared. Um, Laravel 5.5 is going to be targeting PHP 7. Um, so if you're going to be planning on upgrading to Laravel 5.5 when that ships later this year, you're going to need to be running PHP 7. So it might be worth starting to plan that transition out, making sure that not only your Laravel apps, but any other applications you've got on the same servers that may not be ready or haven't been upgraded for PHP 7, whether you look at upgrading those applications or if you look at sort of splitting out your hosting so you've got your Laravel applications running on PHP 7 on one host and your other applications on uh, 5.6. The sooner you start planning the transition, the easier it's going to be um, to get back onto an actively supported version of PHP. Have you migrated anything recently from 5.6 to 7? Um, not really. I do most of my development on 7. Our production servers are still running 5.6 and that's largely because um, we're on CentOS and right. software collections, which we use to deploy um, our packages, has only recently made PHP 7 available. So some of the work that we're doing at the moment, we're, we're building with a view to, to ship on PHP 7. So those things are going to go into production in the next couple of weeks. I have to say that in my experiences of moving from 5.6 to 7, I haven't really encountered any headaches. Uh, anything that was deprecated that I was even using. So do yourself a favor yeah. uh, and get on to seven. It's inc it's way faster. I think it's double the speed, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Seven was double double that of PHP 5.6. Um, and I think 7.1 was faster again. Yeah. So for that reason alone, it's worth upgrading your installation to seven at least. Yeah. And if you've been writing PHP since probably about 5.5, if you've been writing it in a modern-ish kind of way and you haven't been using a lot of those deprecated functions that, that were pre-5.5, um, you shouldn't hit any language issues going from 5.5 to 5.6 and 5.6 to 7. There, you will have some issues with with older applications that are leveraging, you know, long deprecated and unsupported features and functions. I think WordPress doesn't quite work with PHP 7.1, um, but 7.0 should be just fine for most most things written in the last, you know, five years or whatever. Yeah, speaking of deprecations, uh, there was a blog post out there on Laravel News this week about deprecations for PHP 7.2. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so with uh, PHP 7.2, which is the upcoming version of PHP, there's a number of functions that are going to be deprecated. Um, so these things will be marked as deprecated within the language and they'll be removed later on. So it's probably time to start looking if you're still using these things to be removing them from your code. Um, so things like uh, the autoload magic method, which hasn't really been used since most applications are now leveraging Composer. Um, but if you're still using the auto load function that is going to be removed in a later version of PHP. There's a, there's a number of functions and variables that will be removed um, with the upcoming version. So there is a blog post on Laravel News, which we'll link up in the show notes that explains what each of these are. As I said, for majority of developers probably aren't using any of these things, which I guess is why they're being removed. So uh, yeah, check it out. Have a, have a look through your code base, make sure that you aren't using it. And uh, if you are, we'll take the appropriate steps to start upgrading. Very cool. We've talked about Valet a lot on this show, which is a really minimal environment for local web development. One that we haven't talked about as much, we haven't in particular, but Jack and Eric talked about was Laravel Homestead. And Laravel Homestead just released a new version, which is 1.1.0. And one of the things that I had 
used on previous versions of Homestead, which was actually a large pane to set up, was a service called Mailcatcher. It is a Ruby, it is written in Ruby, and what it does is it essentially acts as a local SMTP server and it will catch your mail and display it to you, very similar to what MailTrap would do, except for it's run locally. But the new version of Homestead runs a similar thing called MailHog, but it is written in Go, and you can install it through NPM, I believe. So it comes right out of the box with the new Homestead version. You download the new box and you will have that uh, available to you immediately. So if you, like me, would rather have a local version than use something like MailTrap, MailHog can be accessed through the new Homestead box. If you, like me, however, would rather run something locally than use something like MailTrap, you can install this right on your Mac as well. So if you're using Valet, all you have to do is say brew install MailHog, and then you just point your SMTP server to in your mail.php settings to use port 1025. Make sure that MailHog's running, and all of your stuff will go to this local MailHog server, and you can just check it out on your local machine. So it's kind of cool, especially if you don't have internet access as well, right? In the case that you're developing offline uh, and you don't have access to MailTrap, something like this is really nice to have just uh, on the back burner. Yeah, or if there's a chance that you might accidentally email thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> that too. That's uh, I think that's probably happened to every developer a couple times, right? Where you accidentally put in the live mm. credentials instead of your test credentials. Yeah. 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 The, the worst is when that happens and you're doing payments. Oops. That <laughs> happened to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Okay, quick story. So there was a guy who had made a donation for, three, yeah, I think it was like $1,000. Okay, made a thousand dollars, thousand dollar donation, and I was in local development testing something, and I had forgotten to turn off my pusher configuration, so mm. it was pushing stuff to a live queue. Or maybe it was Iron. It was back when we were using Iron for queues. I was pushing to a live Iron queue, and my production server was consuming those, yeah, and was charging them. So we ended up charging him thirty thirty thousand dollars, I think, uh. Uh, before we caught it, before Stripe caught it, and so that was a fun oh, conversation. Nice. That was a, yeah. So if you've done this people before, if you've, if you've accidentally made the mistake, believe me, your mistake was probably not as large as that one and I'm still developing. So (laughs) (laughs) take comfort, take heart. It's happened to all of us. Uh, All right. And the, the next thing, and probably the last thing that we'll talk about, Adam Wathen tweeted the other day about using the intersect method on the request facade to basically simplify doing partial model updates. So where previously you might have done a whole series of checks on the request to see, you know, if the request has a title, then update the title on the on the model, if the request has artist, year, whatever. And then at the end of all of those has checks, you would then call save. Instead of doing that, you can basically pass request intersect and then an array of properties that you want to update on the model. And what intersect will do is it will look through all of the data that was sent through the request and it will return only the values that were present in that array. So for a null property, it won't it won't come up in that request object. So when you call request intersect, if title was missing from the request, for example, then it wouldn't would not be saved against that model. So it's a nice easy way to cut down on a on a bunch of lines of code that that you really don't need to have there. Yeah, and what I've run into with before with something like this is maybe what I would have used would have been request only. So you can say request colon colon only, and then you specify the fields that you want to pull out of the request. The problem is if those do not exist in the request, you still get a key for them. Mm. So if the title did not exist in the request when it was coming through, it will set a key for title and then it will set it to blank. So if you were trying to do a, you know, you have a post and you want to update the title and the date and whatever. If you said post update, and then you said request only title, subtitle, body. If title wasn't set, it will now set it to a blank string and your title will be updated as a blank string. Yeah. Whereas with this, it excludes anything that comes through as null or as a blank string so that you can safely say request intersect and then give it the keys and it will only pull out a subsection of that re- of those request attributes to update your model with. And you can use this, of course, for things other than updating your model, right? You can use this in a, in a number of different formats. This just allows you to basically have an easy way to use array intersect. Have you ever used array intersect? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically have an array and then you have another array and you compare the keys and it will pull out 
whatever uh, they have in common. Yeah. So this is essentially, I'm sure I'm just kind of doing array intersect behind the scenes. It's just a more convenient way to do it. Yep. Definitely. Speaking of behind the scenes, uh, you had said that Adam said, what, what was the quote? What was the exact quote? Yeah, he says to me that uh, the only way that he he develops now using Laravel is by diving through the source. So he doesn't even read the documentation, which is, which is a good way of finding things because the documentation, as comprehensive as it is, can't cover everything. There are API docs as well, which sort of gives you an indication of what methods are there and, uh, and a brief description of what they do. But the best way about well, the best way to learn the framework is really just to jump into that vendor Laravel folder and just start reading code. And you don't have to do it all at once. You can, you know, pick one component the same way that Taylor does when he's he just went through with a fine tooth comb and, you know, refactored a whole bunch of code for the 5.4 release. Pick a component and just read through all of it you know, everything that, that that component does, read through that class, read through its dependencies, and you get a much greater understanding of how the framework operates. Or learn some of these little secret things, really, I mean, that are not in the yeah. documentation, right? Let me just give a plug here for PHP Storm. When I first started developing in Laravel, I was using Sublime, which is fine, but... One of the things that PHP Storm, and you may be able to do this in Sublime, one of the things that I really appreciated in PHP Storm, and Jeffrey Way had said when he was first starting a series on using PHP Storm, he said, if you are unfamiliar with the framework, PHP Storm is a great tool because what you can do is you can just command click on a method and it will take you right to the spot in the vendor, you know, in the vendor source code where that method is called. And then you find something in there and you command click and it'll take you to that method. So you can go, you can follow a thread through the source code extremely easily using a tool like PHP Storm. And you can figure out how it's working behind the scenes uh, and do that source code diving really quickly. So I'm assuming there's probably got to be a way to do that in Sublime Text. I just have never set it up. Um, I'm not sure. I don't use it. I've got a plugin that shows me where um, something might be defined, uh, but, but it doesn't have the level of intelligence to watch P what PHP Storm does. So uh, I like to think of programming in Sublime as programming on expert mode. On expert mode. Yeah. So PHP Storm is a little bit slower if you have really large applications, but... Hey, if you haven't tried it, give it a shot and uh, see, see what you think of it. You might find out that you like it. Definitely. Pretty cool. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. Got uh, through all the stuff we wanted to talk about. So if you liked the show, please feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars is always appreciated. If you would like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 31. And if you've got any questions for us or suggestions for future topics, you can reach us on Twitter at Laravel News, or you can reach out to Jake or myself directly on Twitter as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you on the next show. Thanks, Michael.